I want to welcome all of our locations to the seventh and the final weekend in our series entitled, Is This the End? Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, we're excited to have all of you with us today. So we have come to the end of the series, and I've been teaching through the book of Revelation. If you haven't been here uh, the last few months, again, John the Apostle was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. It's actually a Greek island off the coast of what we would now call Turkey in the Bible, Asia Minor. And it was there in the book of Revelation that Jesus gave John a picture of not only things that were happening then, but things to come. I want to say this one more time to all of our locations. If you've not listened to every message, go back. You can download our app All of my notes, all of the charts, they are all there. Today I want to talk to you as we finish our series on the book of Revelation. I want to talk to you about a new beginning. A new beginning. Now before I do that, I just thought, you know, last week I told you that I was going to do one more Cajun joke, but I lied. I mean, I didn't lie, but but I just kind of just, I wanted to extend that today my mom's side of the family came from the bayou, cut off that whole area. And I just thought, of it, you know, maybe some of you guys are maybe new in our community praying about, do you have Cajun ancestry? I just thought this would be maybe a little litmus test for you. So if you have Cajun heritage, you might be a Cajun if. I thought five tests, here it is. Number one, you might be a Cajun if watching wildlife shows or discovery shows inspires you to write a cookbook. Now, if you don't get that, we got prayer for you afterwards. All right, here you go. I love this one. You might be a Cajun if you're asked in elementary school to name the four seasons. Some of you may have heard this. What are the four seasons? Football, Mardi Gras, crawfish, and hurricane season. Come on, you know. They, they get better and better, by the way. They, they really do. Okay, this is, this is one, by the way, that is totally appropriate for this week. All right, here it is. You might have Cajun heritage if... You refer to Louisiana winters as gumbo weather. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all would just say this week you thought, man, I gotta have me some good gumbo? You, you know, you just thought, you just, you start feeling it. All right, two more. Here we go. You might have Cajun heritage if you don't know the real names of your close friends, only their nicknames T Boy, Bubba, Coot, and Booga. You know what I'm <laughs> I mean, it's in there. I mean, it's on the inside of you. All right, here's the last one. This is awesome. The last but not least, you might have Cajun heritage if, and this is the best, you actually gave up Tabasco for Lent. Come on. You know, <laughs> if you do that, so, all right. How many of y'all been enjoying the series? Come on, Book of Revelation. Y'all been enjoying it. All right, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to open up to Revelation chapter. Here it is, last three chapters, chapter 20. 21 and 22, 2021 and 22. I want to talk to you about two big concepts today, but before I do that, one last time, my famous chart, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pull that up. I'm going to show you guys, again, just a five-minute recap. I'm not going to go back and teach the last six weeks. If you've missed those messages, my question is, where have you been? But that's, that's all right. That's another discussion. All right, here we go. One last time, where are we today currently? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Again, as the Gospels end, Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again. Acts chapter 1, he ascends to the Father. 
He says to the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem for what? For the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Ten days they were there. Crying out to God. They were in a prayer meeting. Ten days. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's poured out. Watch this. And the church age begins. We currently live in what's called the church age or the age of grace. The next big thing on what I would call God's prophetic time clock is, this is where we are right here, this next big event, this next big end time event, the Bible calls it the rapture. The Greek word harpazo, which means to be, to be caught up, the Latin translated word rapt, which is actually where we get the word rapture from. Now, I teach, because I believe the Bible teaches the rapture. Again, I qualified a lot on the front end. I know there's other people that don't believe that, but I do believe the rapture is a biblical event. If you were not here week one, two, three, and four, I talked about why I believe in what's called a rapture. What happens? First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul talks about it. He says there's going to come a trumpet. You're going to hear a loud noise. Watch this. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those that have gone on to be with the Lord prior to the rapture, their souls in heaven, their bodies actually rejoin at the rapture. It's called the resurrection of the just. And those that are alive, when the rapture happens, our bodies, if you're alive when it happens, changes from, watch this, corruptible to incorruptible. Immediately, what happens then? We, we are caught up. Everybody say caught up. We're caught up to be with the Lord, ever to be with Him. We're caught up in the clouds, and we enter into what I, what I believe the Bible teaches, a literal seven-year tribulation period. So, three storylines happening simultaneously. Number one, believers are now are in heaven. Number two, from the throne of God, there is released what's called seal judgments, trumpet judgments, bowl judgments. This is all happening during the seven-year tribulation period. Seen on the earth. The emergence, immediately after the tribulation, there's what's called the emergence of the Antichrist. Pastor Steve, is the Antichrist alive today? I don't know that. The spirit of the Antichrist is alive. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? It's the world system that opposes God. I will say this. The, there is a real figure. Remember the book of Revelation. I taught this week five. Two beasts. False prophet. And false political leader, there's, a, there's two beasts. These are two human beings inspired by the devil. The political leader is the Antichrist. He emerges initially as a man of peace, right here. Why? To cut peace deals with Israel in the Middle East and around the globe, which allows then the Jewish people to what? To begin the construction of the third temple in Jerusalem. Again, I taught all of this week after week. Something changes significantly at the three-and-a-half-year mark. What happens then, pastors? I'll tell you what happens. It's like the masks come off, and the Antichrist walks in. This is, this is astounding. But he walks into the temple, the newly constructed third temple in Jerusalem, and he declares himself to be God, which enters now the tribulation into the second half, three-and-a-half years. It's called the Great Tribulation. Daniel called it the abomination of desolation. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 called it the abomination of desolation. It's throughout the New Testament as well. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, literally, all hell breaks loose. That's where the mark of the beast, 666, all of that. I taught that two weeks ago. Okay, the tribulation ends with what? A final big battle in a great valley above Jerusalem. It's a valley in northern Israel. 
It's where an, a city called uh, Megiddo, Armageddon, Armageddon, there's a battle. The armies of the earth come surrounding. They're coming to march against Jerusalem. And again, the Lord returns. It's a big, big battle. He actually returns there. The armies are defeated. He sets up his throne in Jerusalem. I taught this last week. So he said, by, by the way, there is a difference between the rapture, everybody say rapture, and the second coming of Christ. Here Jesus doesn't come all the way back to earth. He comes in the clouds, calls his church up. Here he comes all the way back, sets up. He comes back, by the way, with his, his church, his bride. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ, all right? And we come back actually with him to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Where does the word thousand come from? A millennium is a thousand. The millennial is the thousand year reign of Christ. I don't believe that's figurative. I believe that's literal. I believe the scripture teaches that. I taught that last week. So now there's a thousand year, watch this, a thousand year reign of Christ. At the end of the thousand year, there's one final battle. By the way, the devil is thrown. The Bible talks about he's tied up in the abyss during that thousand. So there's no devil on the earth in the millennial kingdom. He's released one last time. And he's released one last time to what? To deceive the nations. There's a final battle right here. And ultimately, the devil is thrown into the lake of fire with the, two, with the Antichrist and the false prophet. All right. What happens at this point, Pastor Steve? Today, I want to talk to you about the last few chapters in the book of Revelation 20, 21, and 22. And I want to talk about two big key events. Two key events. I want to talk to you about the great white throne judgment. And then I also want to talk to you about, watch this, when John sees this picture, he sees the new heavens and the new earth coming to earth. Two big concepts, and we wrap up the book of Revelation. All right? You guys ready to learn? Say yes. Here we go. The great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11, John sees this vision, and here it is. Remember, things to come. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. This is interesting. Small and great, famous and unknown. Standing before God, and the books were opened. So there's multiple books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. I think we've heard about that book. The Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged each according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We see here, unbelievers, this is important, are taken out of hell and are rejoined, this is important, soul and body at the great white throne judgment. Who goes and stands before the Lord at the great white throne judgment? Those who have never trusted Christ 
as their Savior, and they have chosen to be judged based upon their works. Wow. There's actually three judgments in the New Testament. The first judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. Don't confuse this judgment with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the judgment seat of Christ. Some would can call that the Bema seat judgment. That's from the Greek word. The judgment seat of Christ, we talked about that week three, is when Christians are judged, not whether or not they go to heaven. Remember this, Christians have placed their faith in Christ. Jesus bore our judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is not whether or not Christians go to heaven. Pull my chart up if you could. That is the rewards that Christians get. That's right here. That's right as Christians are raptured. That's the rewards. Everyone say rewards. Christians don't go to the great white throne judgment. Christians stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not whether we go to heaven, but the rewards that we get when we go to heaven, which we ultimately lay at the feet of Jesus. So there's what's called the, the judgment seat of Christ. Number two, there's also what's called Matthew chapter 25, the judgment of the nations. That is the judgment that befalls nations. And again, that is the end of the tribulation, the beginning of the, the millennial kingdom, and Christians judge the nations. This is really fascinating. This judgment is the third and final judgment. This is what's called the great white throne judgment. Who goes to there? Those that have rejected Christ are actually taken from hell, small and great, famous and unknown. And their soul is actually rejoined with their body and they stand before God. Don't miss this. And there are books that are opened up. And what books are opened up? Number one is the book of life. What is the book of life? The book of life is the, it is the names, it contains the names of those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. They came to a point in their life where they recognized they needed a Savior. They recognized that, they, that their, their works were as filthy rags, that they realized that they, they, they couldn't make heaven on their own effort. They, they heard the gospel. Maybe they were in vacation Bible school as a kid, or they were in Sunday school, or, or, or a neighbor invited them, or they, they went to a Bible preached church, and they recognized that they could not save themselves, and they needed Christ. So they put their faith in Christ. That person, the Bible says, is saved. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The people that are before the Lord at the great white throne judgment, the book of life is open and their name is not in the book of life. They never trusted Christ as their Savior. Conversely, their name and their deeds are in the book of deeds. The book of deeds. The book of deeds, it's a book of the works of individuals on the earth that attempted to be right with God based upon human effort. How many times have you had a conversation with somebody and, and you ask them, you start talking to them about Christ, about the gospel, and, and you may even ask them this question. The question is, is well, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And they say, well, I hope so. By the way, I say this very respectfully. Anybody that says, if you ask them the question, are you going to go to heaven? And they say, I hope so. Anybody that says that does not know the gospel. 
They don't know Christ. They don't know the gospel. Because a Christian knows, not based upon their work, they know in their knower. They've been justified. They've been reconciled with God. They've been washed, not based upon their works, but because of the work of what Christ did on the cross. How many are grateful for what Jesus did on the cross? Watch, watch this common line of thought. Are you going to go to heaven and you die? Well, I hope so. Hope so. Well, next question. Well, how do you get to heaven? Well, I mean, just be a good person. Really, be a good person. That's, how, that's what gets you into heaven? Well, what determines, third question, what determines being a good person? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you just do more good than bad, you just kind of get up there and before God one day and I'm just kind of hoping God, you know, maybe grades on a curve that day. And just kind of, I guess God, I guess, I guess God just kind of weighs my good and versus my bad. And I hope that I've done more good than bad. And you really want to take that risk? Are you serious? I'll give you the three questions. Contemporary questions in culture today, in society today. Are you going to heaven? I hope so. That person doesn't know the gospel. Next question is this. Okay, well, how do you get to heaven? I guess be a good person. All right, next question. How do you determine what's good? I guess I do more good than bad. That is all based upon human deeds. Can I tell you something in human reasoning? You don't get right with God based upon your deeds. You get right with God based upon what Christ did for you on the cross. What Christ did for you on the cross. By the way, listen to me closely. Well, pastor, I mean, come on. The person whose name is in the book of deeds, that was the person that felt that they didn't need Christ. That was the person that felt like they were, that, that, that Christianity was for weak-minded people. The person that's in the book of deeds, their name is written in the book of deeds, and all their works are in the book of deeds. That's the person that said, well, Christians are weak-minded, and I don't need that. And that's for weak-minded people, weak-willed people. That's for people that are not deep thinkers. They're not intellectuals. That's for people that they, they're just they're marginalized people. They're on the periphery. They're, they're, not, they're not leaders and decision-makers. No, I choose to be evaluated before God one day based upon my works. Whoa, is that a risky proposition? Can I tell you something? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Question, is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Or is your name written down in the Book of Deeds? Those books are going to be open one day. And you will stand before God one day. And I, now, if you're a follower of Christ, you won't be at the great white throne judgment. Because you were so grateful when you died or were raptured, you went to heaven and realized it was grace. Everybody say grace. Sure, your deeds matter, but not to get you in heaven. Pastor Steve, don't y'all give away millions of dollars and don't y'all serve the community and do mission? Yeah, we do good works not to get saved. We do good works because we're saved. There's a difference. Those whose names were not found in the book of life, John said, will be judged according to their deeds. And ultimately, they experience a second death. And where Satan is and the two beasts in the lake of fire, those that have not trusted in Christ will spend their eternity with them. I'm so grateful for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. When I was 19 years old, the scripture burned in my heart. For God made Christ who never sinned. To be an offering for my sin, for our sin, for your sin, so that we could be right with God through Christ. 
I know this is a very counterintuitive statement in our current culture because maybe we've become so deluded to the reality of what it means to be a follower of Christ and how to get saved. How does one come to Christ? We live in a spiritual culture. I didn't say Christian culture. Very spiritual culture where people are attempting to do a lot of different rituals and things in a spiritual sense to try to get right with God. But Paul makes it very clear how one gets right with God. And how one gets their name written in the book of life and not in the book of deeds. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. Your deeds don't save you. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Last topic in the book of Revelation. The new heavens and the new earth. The new heavens after the final judgment. Let's go ahead and pull the chart up, if you could, one more time. After the great white throne judgment, where unbelievers will stand before the Lord. After this, John looks up, and he has this final revelation. This is so powerful. John looks up, and he sees something coming down from heaven. Peter wrote about it. 2 Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, and both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Peter writes about it. Other Bible writers write about it. John sees it. He looks up in Revelation 21, and he sees something coming. Watch this. From heaven down to the earth. He sees it coming down to the earth. Let's pause there for a moment before I read that, and let's go back to the beginning. Do you remember how the beginning began. In the beginning, God created. What did he create? He created the heavens and the earth, and, and God created a planet, and he put on that planet Adam and Eve, and he put them in a garden. And there's actually, well, there, was, there were two big main trees there. There was a tree of life, and there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they chose, watch this, it was paradise for them. It was paradise. It was amazing. They walked with God. They walked with one another. They enjoyed the beauty of creation. They could go wherever they want. They could do whatever they wanted. They could experience the blessing of, of the presence of Almighty God. They were no, there was no sin. There was no shame. There was none of that. But there was, there was an antagonist there. And Satan came into the midst of them and lied to them. And they believed the lie. And when they believed that lie, they chose to disobey God. Genesis chapter 3, we see that creation cracked. Matter of fact, John Milton, many of you remember this in school, wrote the book, famous book, English literature. You guys read it. Great Christian theme throughout it. How many of y'all remember reading Paradise Lost? How many of y'all remember reading Paradise Lost? Paradise was lost in Genesis 3. Let me tell you where paradise is regained in Revelation chapter 21. And John looks up and he sees something coming down. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and a high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three on the south, three on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. On them were the names of the 12 
apostles of the Lamb. 1,400 feet long, 1,400 feet wide. Four, this was high. It, it was amazing. And John saw coming down. He saw coming down. He saw a, a, a new heavens. He saw a new earth. Revelation chapter 22, verse 2, in the middle of the street and on either side. John saw this. He saw a river. And he saw the tree of life. There's the tree of life again. He saw the tree of life, the tree of life that was lost in the garden. He, he sees the tree of life again. It's coming down in the new, in the new Jerusalem, which bore 12 fruits, and it yielded fruit every month. He saw it. He saw it. And he saw this river running in the new Jerusalem, and, and, and he saw it. And he's Revelation 22, 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Everyone say, come. And, and let him who hears say, come. And, and let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him come. Let him take the water of life. John sees a picture of the future. Paradise lost, paradise gained. Paradise coming down from heaven again. But this paradise is different. There's no sin. There's no shame. There's no pain. There's no sickness. There's no worry. There's no fear. But there's also no Satan. He's been bound. Question, Pastor Steve, is there a temple in the New Jerusalem? Not according to the Bible. Revelation 22, 22. Look what it says. In the New Jerusalem, there's something missing. Revelation 21, 22. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The, 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 the Lamb itself, the, who was slain before the foundations of the world, Jesus the people could come and drink of the water of life. And I want to say this to you, every one of our locations, this is so important. Yes, the new heavens and the new earth are coming. And yes, it's a beautiful place. And there's no more sin. And there's no more sorrow. But we don't have to wait to get to the new Jerusalem to drink from the water of life. We can have a relationship with Christ now. John chapter 7 says, out of the innermost being flows rivers of living water. We can drink from the... We can drink from the heavenly water now. We can drink. Yes, there's sin here, and there's, and there's Satan here. And that's, that's the one. That's the one that caused the problem. Don't get the price tag switched. The Satan, Satan himself comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your dreams and your hopes and your future and your family. God wants to bless. He wants to give you a future and a hope. And, 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 and even now, we can drink of that. We live in a broken world, but we can press into God and we can experience the presence of God. Revelation 21.5. And there he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Everybody say new. All things new. And he said, Write these words, for they are faithful and true. God makes all things new. There's a new heaven coming. There's a new earth coming. It's coming down from heaven. But let me just tell you something. You do not have to wait. Listen. To the new heavens and the new earth as a follower of Christ, you don't have to wait to experience the new power of God. You don't have to wait for that. I remember when I was 19 years old, when I was transformed by Christ. I became a new person. No, I was still 5'11 and a half or 5'11 and three quarters. How many know you start shrinking? I'm probably 5'10 and a half now, you know. You don't have to wait. You can experience that now. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation in Christ. They're a new creation in Christ. Revelation 21, 6. And he said, it is done. Everybody say, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to anyone who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be their God and they shall be my kids. They shall be my sons and daughters. We don't have to wait to the new Jerusalem to drink of the water of life. We live in a very, very broken world. I don't have to get up here each week and tell you guys that. We live in a fractured world. We, we, we know this. You know this. I know this. This world as we know it, can I tell you something? It's not how it was supposed to be. The brokenness of humanity, the, 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 the atrocities, the evil in the earth. When we see the evil things that are perpetrated upon innocent people, when we see that and, and, and we see it, whether on TV, whether we see it and we hear about it and, and something in, inside of you because you're made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. We are moral creatures. We're made in the image of God, the likeness of God, the dominion of God. We're not God, but we're made in the image of God, meaning that we have a moral, we are moral beings. And we see something in the earth and we see in, the, in this brokenness in this earth. Can I tell you, for the Christian, it actually could, should produce two things. One is, ah, oh, you should feel the pain. And the other one is, oh, I'm going to believe for God to come in now and do something now. No, we won't see it in, full, in, in fullness until the new heavens and the new earth. But can I tell you something? You can overcome in the here and now. Yes, we still live in a sinful world. Yes, you and I are still, at times, we're still troubled with, with tribulation and trials, but we can overcome in the year and now. The new heavens and the new earth gives us a picture of fullness of what we can experience in part today. I, I want to finish our series, and I, I hope this has been a good series. matter of fact, I had a, a good compliment, I should say that. I'll say that very respectfully from somebody this week. A couple had been in our church for a long time, and I was... I was talking to one of them, and, and they said, you know, Pastor Steve, I, I, I listened to the, to the series when I, when I knew you were teaching through the book of Revelation. I listened to the one that you did seven years ago. And I got to tell you, it's, 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 it's better now. And I said, thank God. How many of you know we're all growing? We're, we're all growing. Pastor Steve, when are you going to teach you the book of Revelation again in seven more years? Can I, you know? <laughs> but but I, I hope this has been a good series for you. And I, and I, and I started... I started with this scripture as the theme because the book of Revelation was never written. Again, we believe the scripture is inspired by the Lord. And yet God used human authors. God, God used John to, to pen this. And, and it's so powerful. And it was never intended to scare you, but it was intended to equip you with faith. It was intended to equip you with faith. I, I got a good email this week from a, a lady in our church. She goes, Pastor, I tell you, this has been a very scary series, but it's actually brought peace to my heart. Because I know that God's got me. Everybody say, God's got me. <laughs> Whether it's good English or not, God's got you. And the reality is, is that we began with a scripture, and I'm going to end with it, and we'll close. The theme throughout this verse has been Revelation chapter 12, 11. I'm going to read it one last time. Here's what the Bible says. Because I think there's such powerful insight. The book of Revelation, listen, was given for the first century to overcome, the second century to overcome, the 21st century, and as long as the Lord tarries, whatever it is for the people of God to overcome. I want everybody to hear me. The Christian life was never meant to be a defeated life. Oh, yes, we deal with trials. Yes, we do. But, but it's a life where we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. We overcome. John said this. Here's what he wrote. 
He says in Revelation chapter 12, pull that up if you could, all of our campuses. And they overcame, what's this next word? Everybody say it, him. Notice him. Pastor Steve, what do we overcome? Let me just tell you that every challenge that you have in your life, whether it's a people challenge, whether it's a circumstance challenge, can I tell you something? Understand what's behind those challenges. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm dealing with my situation at my home with one of my kids. You, you understand I'm, I'm dealing with a marriage situation. And so often we lose sight of the fact our challenge is not with other people. There's a real devil manipulating situations to try to hurt you. The circumstance in your life that not that God sent to block to keep you and to protect you, but that demonic thing that keeps coming over and over in your life, it's influenced by an antagonist. This is not a game that we're in. It's like a real war that we're in for people's souls, for your peace, for your peace of mind, your peace of heart, your peace of home. And the good news is that John says is that we can overcome. Everybody say overcome. Who do we overcome? We overcome the devil. We overcome him. We overcome all of the satanic forces of hell. This is the theme of the book of Revelation. You see something on the news, you know, oh my gosh, what's going on in all the world? There's got to come a faith in our hearts where we say, wait a minute, I am an overcomer. Anything that comes to me, anything that the enemy stirs up, any circumstance, any person challenge. I'm not going to let the master puppet of the earth, the demonic being himself. I'm not going to let him manipulate my mind. I'm not going to let him manipulate my emotions. I'm not going to let him manipulate my life. I'm an overcomer in Christ. And I overcome. Everybody say, we overcome. Three ways. Number one, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Every week in the messages, I've been telling you over and over, it's a relationship with Jesus. It's not your good works. It's not your human effort. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's what Christ has done for you. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Christ died for you. He was buried for you, and he rose again. And by the way, he's coming back. By the blood of the Lamb. Number one, we overcome by the blood. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in the blood of Christ. <clears throat> Number two, by the power of our testimony. Friends, our world needs to hear what God has done in our lives. You know why I talk about my testimony all the time? I'll tell you why I talk about my testimony. Two reasons. Number one, because you need it. And number two, because I need it. Every time I talk about what Christ did in my life, I talk about a freshman at Tulane University. I, I talk about because I, I was once dead, now I'm alive. I was once lost, now I'm found. I was once full of shame, now I'm filled with hope. Why? Because of what Christ did. We overcome, number one, by the blood of the Lamb. And number two, by the Word. Every day we should confess what Christ has done in our life. We should confess what God, We should declare, the Lord has been good to me. Christ has saved me. Christ has healed me. Christ has redeemed me. It builds faith in our hearts for others to hear and for us to hear what Christ has done in our lives. What Christ has done in our lives. And ultimately, John said, and they love not their lives even unto the death. Do you know the greatest fear? The greatest fear that we all have, that human beings have, is, is the fear of death until, until you get saved. Because when you get saved, can I just say this? For those of you that, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm in my 
50s now for the guests. I know I don't look it. I, I know that. I... But I recently ran into somebody that I went to high school with. And I, and I say this respectfully. He looked very weathered by life, by sin. And I thought to myself, and we had a conversation, but I thought to myself, I would not go into that phase of my life without a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you a scary thought? Being in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, really at any age, and not be at peace with God. Do you really want to go into eternity? Do you really want to risk it? I mean, when you can experience peace now, but peace throughout eternity? See, for the Christian, we don't fear death. It doesn't mean we do silly, irresponsible things to end our physical life. No, of course not, because other people need us, and, and we have a purpose. But, but I'm talking about when we get to that moment where we know that death is near. Because for the Christian, we know that we step from this life into the next life, and we're in the presence of God. John wrote, we overcome him. There's a real devil in the earth that God has given us power to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Everybody say, by the blood of the Lamb. Everybody say, by the word of my testimony. And everybody say, this is important, say, I love not my life unto death. What does that mean? My life is trusted into the hands of Almighty God. My here and my future. My question is this as we close. Where's your name written? Is it in the book of life? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Or is your name written in the book of deeds? If you're going to stand before God one day, either at the judgment seat of Christ, getting your rewards for eternity, or you're going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment where your name's in the book of deeds, where you've chosen to allow your life to be judged based upon your good versus your bad. Don't, 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 don't go there. Receive Christ today. Receive Christ today. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow, bow their heads, every location. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. I sense the Holy Spirit right now. God loves you, my friend. God's not mad at you. He cares about you. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sit, sit, sitting and wherever you are, maybe you're tuning in from a place around the world and maybe you're at work right now online and you're watching this, wherever it is God loves you, Jesus came not to condemn but to save you the Bible says to give you a future and a hope to wash you, to cleanse you to make you new do you know Christ? if you die today, are you ready to stand before God? the count of three, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I'm going to ask in the count of three, just for a show of hands, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and make me new. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you. God bless you, sir, right there. And you, and you, and you. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, God bless you, buddy, right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, up top. The presence of the Lord is here. God is here. God loves you. He cares about you. Jesus, I thank you for your presence. Is anybody else, Pastor, pray for me? I need Christ. God bless you, sir. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ right now? The most important prayer they'll ever pray. Let's pray this with them. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. 
Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow. If you're here today and you're making the decision to follow Christ for the first time, we just want to take a second and say, congratulations. We're so excited for you. That's a huge deal. The Bible says that when you make that decision, you're, you're made new, you're washed clean, that you now belong to the family of God. And we're so excited for you. We want you to know that right now in this moment, we're, we're there with you. You're not alone and you can do this thing. Uh, your first step right now is to let somebody know. Yes, and right now there's gonna be a link that pops up on the chat or on the screen. Click that link. This is gonna help give you all the resources you need to really walk out this new life with Christ. And again, congratulations. We are so excited for you. We are rooting for you. And next week, bring a friend because we are starting off a new series called Living on Full. You do not wanna miss it. It's gonna be amazing. So we see you here next week, same time, same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.